Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know. I'm Josh. Say hi, Chuck. Hi. How's it going, Chuck? Uh, great. A little cold, but uh, other than that, I'm fine. Well, Chuck, you know what? Uh, it's it's supposed to get really, really cold this January 20th, which is a significant day. We you heard about plan this? this segue. That's a good one. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, is that the inauguration? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. And they're expecting up to maybe 4 million people. Right. And uh, worst case scenario they're talking is 30, 31 degrees and raining. Right. So everything will be icy and frozen. And there's going to be old, you know, old people dying left and right, right. basically. Children. Exactly. In peril. Yeah. Um, so it'll probably be the, if that happens, the most, the most death fraught inauguration of all time. Right. And there's been some pretty bloody ones. Really? I don't know. Okay. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> but um yeah, I I personally am looking forward to the inauguration um because as I understand it, uh Barack Obama, you've heard of him, president our elect ne- our next president, yes. Um he is planning on restoring a part of the constitution that was shaved off a couple of years ago. A little thing called habeas corpus. Yes. You've heard of this. I have. It is uh, a Latin term. And you said you took Latin in, in high school? No, no. I took German. Did you? Yeah. You just continue to surprise and amaze me. I, I seem like a Spanish guy, don't I? I, I would have definitely said Spanish. I wish I had taken Spanish. It would uh, I would be uh, better now for it. But Although you could definitely get yourself a, a desk job at How Stuff Works Frankfurt. Is there a of Forks Frank? No. Okay. I imagine they'd create one for you, though, if you lobbied for <laughs> right. it enough. Uh, so habeas corpus is Latin, and it means uh, you have the body. Mm-hmm. And essentially what it is is that it's a legal term. Right. That, that it's kind of an order from a judge to a jailer saying, you have the body, bring him to me so we can figure out if he's being imprisoned legally or not. Right. I've heard this term a lot. I'm glad we're doing this because I never, you know, it's one of those terms that everyone's probably heard of but doesn't know a lot about. So Yeah, and there's a lot to it. Basically, uh, what habeas corpus does is we have a set of um, guarantees in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights, actually. If you really take a look at the uh, the Bill of Rights, you know, the framers' top ten uh, great protections, right? that, that, that list, um, they most of it, has to do with being prosecuted, right? Um, you know, th- so in, in taken all together, it's called due process. So you have a right to confront your accusers. Sure, uh, you have a right to counsel. Speedy uh, trial. Speedy trial is a big one. Fair trial. Fair trial, huge. Yeah, of course. But the thing is, is you know, the these things can be guaranteed to you and I all day long. But they don't amount to anything if we don't have any action to take to ensure that they're actually being carried out. Exactly. That the, 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 these guarantees are, are being delivered on. And that's what habeas corpus is. It's, it's that mechanism by which these constitutional protections are, you know, guaranteed. Right. That's, <laughs> man, that's, that one, that's a great you? summation. Thanks a lot. Well, that's it for uh, today. <laughs> um, if, if only. That's all for me, folks. No. Well, don't put this on me because there's a lot to come. You want me to carry the corpus part? Yeah. Okay. So um, it, it's not, this is not a new concept. It, it, it actually dates back before the framers uh, created the Constitution and ratified it in 1789. Right. It goes back to England, correct? Uh-huh. It's, a, it's English common law. Uh, in, the, in the 17th century... If you're a Catholic, like I was raised, 
you would be in grave danger of being picked up by the king's men and thrown in jail. Right. Because this is the time when, uh, I, I believe it was King Henry, one of the kings. You know, there's just so many of them. I can't keep them straight any longer. Right. Um, he, when whoever was king had, had established the uh, Church of England. And, uh, you know, that was the big rival to the Catholic Church. Right. So he wanted a, a state-sponsored, state-run church and didn't really want any competition. So if you're a Catholic, you were probably going to be in prison and held and not given a trial or anything like that. No due process. No. So Parliament came up with this this protection. And actually, it may date back further than that. Some people say that it's it's kind of implied by the Magna Carta. Right, which was 1215. At Runnymede. Yeah, it's yeah. a long, long time ago. It is. Um, but it, it actually became codified as habeas corpus in, in 17th century England. Right. And the framers picked it up, and it's in the Constitution. It's a huge right, you know? Um, and in American practice, if you have habeas corpus, the the process goes like this. You're tried, uh-huh. or you're jailed even. You can say you're jailed. Most of the time, you've already been tried, and, and now you've been convicted and incarcerated. And a writ of habeas corpus can actually be a legal strategy where after all of your appeals run out, you can use it, you can issue a petition of habeas corpus. Right. And you're saying, hey, judge, you know, I, I don't think at my trial I was given a fair trial. Say, you know, my counselor was inadequate. Um, he was drunk all the time, that kind of thing. Or the prosecution, like, hid, you know, important evidence that would have exonerated you. You can, you can issue this in a, a petition of habeas corpus. Right. The judge considers it. If the judge decides that, you know, it raises enough questions about the legality of your imprisonment, you will... It, the now, judge is there another trial? The, well, the, no, it's not another trial. It's a hearing. Okay. And actually, no, habeas corpus, it's not a rehash of your <clears throat> actual trial. So it's not an appeal at all. Not really, but it's it kind of falls in step with the appeal process. Right. It's So what happened... As far as, you know, you murdered somebody or that's what you're accused of, the judge in a habeas corpus hearing doesn't care about that. What they care about is evidence that shows that your, you know, your defense attorney was drunk. Right. That kind of thing. Sure. I, I get it. And these, so these things also tend to, as a legal strategy, tend to, to come in a flurry when, say, like a, um, a prosecutor is found to have been, you know, um, a cocaine user, and it comes out. So everyone that person prosecuted all of a sudden lines up their uh, writ of habeas corpus. They they start sending out petitions of habeas corpus, right? Your corpi, I guess. Oh, um, right. The petition is first, and then the and then by if, the writ. If, if the judge thinks that it, it's worth hearing, the judge issues a writ of habeas corpus. Bring right. the body to me, right? Uh, and and that's that's pretty much how it's used. But you can actually um, you can contest your incarceration. I believe at any point, but using it as a as a legal strategy, that's usually how it's yeah. used. It's kind of depressing, I think, if I were a prisoner, just being referred to as the body is, uh, <laughs> right. I don't know, that would worry me immediately. Yeah. And oh, corpus yeah. sounds a lot like corpse. I'm, like I said, I didn't take Latin, but I have a feeling those two are probably connected, right? I thought you said you did take Latin. No, German. German? Yeah. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, I think, though, being referred to as the body, I would be much more... Um, concerned with the fact that I was in prison. Sure. You know? Yeah. At that point, you're probably already used to being called the body or the right. booty or something horrible. <laughs> and, and, you know, being those 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 names being made good on. Right. You have your priorities in line. Exactly. Obviously. Yeah. So Chuck, um, 
we we understand habeas corpus. You kind of get an impression of why it's important now. It's it, it keeps us from being thrown into jail and the the key being thrown away. Right. It's our one recourse. Because really, if you think about it, the court system it is this entity that stands between the state, which has the power to throw you in jail, and the individual, which can be thrown in jail. Right. The whole purpose of the court system, the legal system, is to find out whether or not this person should be incarcerated or punished. Guilt or innocence. Right. Right. Um, so the, the, it's kind of insinuated, it's placed in between the state and the individual um, to, to, as a buffer, as a protection, as much as it is you know, the, the judge and jury that can and exec, ex, executioner. You right. see what I'm saying? In some cases, sure. Right. Okay, so, so now we understand how important it is, which kind of gives us a, an idea then of how egregious the Military Commissions Act of 2006 was. Right. Well, let's back up a little because... Let's do it. This is uh, not the first time the Military Act of 2006, Commissions Act, uh, that habeas corpus has been revoked. Oh, oh, that was one other thing we should probably say, huh, Chuck? In the Bill of Rights, it actually specifically mentions habeas corpus. It's actually, I think, in the Constitution. Uh It says the only time that habeas corpus can be suspended, suspended, is in times of insurrection or rebellion. Right. When it's, when it serves the public safety. That's Which is, it. can it's be the only time it can be right. suspended. Right. Not repealed, not revoked. That opens it up suspended. to some, uh, interpretation, obviously. Uh, you know what? It shouldn't because it's so explicit, but yes, sadly, over mm. the course of American history, it has been interpreted, in my, in my opinion, incorrectly. So, right. yeah, you were saying, give us some examples. Uh, well, one example is, uh, during the Civil War, uh, President Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, suspended habeas corpus. Um, when the Civil War broke out. And uh, five years later, it was reinstated at the end of the Civil War. um, Which, insurrection, rebellion, you could make a pretty good case that he had every constitutional right to do that. Sure, Civil War, for goodness sakes. Uh, And then, uh, sadly, one of our uh, black eyes, I guess, on our nation's history was the internment of uh, Japanese uh, Americans during World War II. And the same thing happened then. Uh, more than 100,000 Japanese Americans were detained and held, uh, many of them uh, American-born citizens. So Yeah. I mean, think about how screwed up that is. That would be like after 9-11 if we had um, had round up every Muslim. Uh, every sure. Muslim. Mm-hmm. Not even Muslim, you know, because it, that would be based on religion. This is based on uh, a nationality. Right. So let's say we, we rounded up every Saudi American and put them into soccer stadiums that we had, you know, reinforced with uh, uh-huh. concertina wire and fences and German shepherds. Right. Just because they were Saudis. This happened like 60 years ago I in know. the U.S. Not so long ago. Yeah. So a very good friend, the Syrian. I can't imagine a, a world where we would do something like that. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you weren't alive in 1942, my friend, because <laughs> you would have wept tears. I would have. And, and the, the, the most ironic, or I, I, I guess not that word's not appropriate, but um, the most surprising part, of the uh, revocation of habeas corpus in 1942 for Japanese Americans was that it took uh, until 1976. Right, Jerry Ford. Gerald Ford finally issued an executive order that reinstated the the writ of habeas corpus or the right of habeas corpus to Japanese Americans. So for that that 30-plus year period, if you were a Japanese American – Technically, they could throw you in jail for whatever, right. and you couldn't uh, uh, contest the legality of your incarceration. Yeah, which is scary. It is. I wonder if that happened. 
I don't know. That's a great question. I have a feeling it was probably just not acted on, and right. no one really thought much about it until yeah. Gerald Ford it, it popped up on his radar somehow. Yeah, I wonder how you forget something like that. Right. You know, like yeah. Roosevelt just forgot to pass it along. You know, right. hey Truman, don't don't. I forget. guarantee you, Japanese Americans probably didn't forget. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. So now we're up to the modern day uh, time. So the the we're, Military yeah. Commissions Act, two thousand six. Uh, you remember Mark Foley? Yes. Florida representative? I think so. Okay. Um, And he had a a little email tryst with uh, one of his male aides. His pages. Little man boy. I think he was like 17 or 18, something Uh like that. Yeah. That story happened. It broke, coincidentally, the same time Congress passed the Military Commissions Act of 2006. Which allowed it to kind of go under the radar. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it was this huge sweeping act. Really, although it was succinct, it, it really had huge repercussions. And it was basically aimed at terror suspects. Right. Um, and as far as habeas corpus goes, it related to it related to that right by revoking it for anyone deemed an enemy combatant. Which, once again, they leave it nice and vague. Exactly. And they also said that the president and Congress and a few other high officials can deem whoever they want an enemy combatant, and that can't be contested. And once you're deemed an enemy combatant, you are stripped of your right of habeas corpus. Right. Which means that's why that's how all these people down at Guantanamo Bay were kept right. indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, this Military Commissions Act is so cynical. It was passed after the Supreme Court had ruled that these people were being held there illegally, yeah. in, in, in flying in the face of the Geneva Convention. So Bush had you know Congress pass this federal law that basically overturned that Supreme Court ruling. Right. It's nuts. It is. So all these people are being held there as enemy combatants, and you think, you know, it's who cares? They're terrorists. The problem is, is there were plenty of um, of instances down there where people were released because they've been picked up just because they had the same name as a terror a terrorist yeah, on the terror identity. watch list. Uh-huh. Um, there is a guy whose name was uh, Mahar Arar. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the pronunciation. You know, I butcher foreign names yeah, like I know. crazy. We apologize to everyone, he, especially Mr. Arar. Yes, uh, he was a Syrian-born uh, Canadian national. He's a nat- naturalized citizen, computer engineer, and he'd popped up on the uh, Canadian Mounted Police's intelligence watch list in right. 2002 um and they alerted the u.s authorities and some other you know friendly nations that this guy was on their list and that he'd left the country he went to tunisia right and on his way back to to canada his home right uh he had a layover at uh, jfk in new york and he was picked up by federal authorities u.s officials and they secretly rendered him to syria where he was kept in a prison and tortured for a year before the Syrians, who we outsource our torture to, you remember, sure, um, concluded that he wasn't a terrorist and had no ties to terrorism. Right. The C- the Syrians were the ones who decided that. It, it, the, the U.S. couldn't even figure it out. I and, know. And, but after a year of torture, luckily for Mr. Arar, the Syrians concluded that he, he wasn't a terrorist and, and set him free. Now, did Canada get involved? I would think that they yes, would. Yes, uh... yes. Canada's in big trouble, but... Really, the U.S. is in bigger trouble, right. um, or was. I, th- I think it's been swept under the carpet by now. Um, but th- th- the U.S. officials told the Canadians that 
they were going to send him back to Switzerland because he went from Tunisia to Switzerland. And the, they, the U.S. said, hey, thanks a lot for telling us. We're just going to grab him and send him back to Switzerland. We don't want him in the country, and you don't really want him either, right? Mm-hmm. And they put him on a plane to Jordan, took him overland to Syria, and gave him to the Syrians to be tortured. Right. Find and out what he knew. I think uh, one point that you make in the article is uh, it was a retroactive act. So it was passed in 2006. This guy was picked up when? 2002? Yes. So it was a retroactive act, meaning that anyone uh, picked up after uh, September 11, September 11. Yeah, had no habeas corpus rights. And it also gave retroactive immunity all the way back to September 11, 2001, to any U.S. official who was engaged in anything that could be construed as torture right. or illegal, as yeah. far as it was fell under the umbrella of the, the war on terror, which is beyond screwed up. Yeah. So we still have this act today. It's still on the books, um, and it's still a huge... Uh, bone of contention, and hopefully, from what I understand, when Obama comes back into o- or when he comes into office, he's going to basically repeal the Military Commissions Act. He's going to hopefully get it repealed, and um, he's going to come up with a new legal system that's designed just to prosecute high-level, high-value terror suspects. That makes sense. in the U.S. So basically, he's going to let a bunch of them go. And he's going to send them back to their country of origin right. for prosecution, incarceration, or freedom. I don't know. Uh, the low-level ones, they're just going to prosecute in regular American courts. Uh-huh. Then the high-level ones are going to be a more secret court um, where they, they get all the the aspects of due process, but it's not as transparent. So you know, you, they won't be able – if their accuser is a CIA informant, uh-huh. they won't be able to face that accuser. Right. Sorry, TS. You know, but there's still – evidence is going to be submitted. Um Oh, another thing about the Military Commissions Act, Uh uh, testimony uh, gathered from torture was actually admissible. Really? Yeah. So if you you tortured somebody and they they confessed to being a terrorist to get you to stop, oh, well, there's your confession. Wow. Amazing. And, you know, this isn't a a liberal uh, Democrat thing. It's a human rights thing. Oh, definitely. I think we should just point that out, that it's not like uh, – uh, President-elect Obama just wants to set terrorists free all over the all over the world or anything. No, definitely not. And he's he's actually he's also getting criticism from both sides too. Like, yeah, should we set up a legal a new legal system just for right. this? You know, uh, the ACLU is criticizing the plan just as much as Republicans are criticizing him for shutting down Guantanamo. Right. But yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It is a human rights issue. And um, it, I, I'm glad to see that it's going to be resolved. I, I very strongly believe it's going to be resolved. Me and, too. Let's hope. Yeah. The worst part is is that you know America is going to spend the next 20 years trying to um, regain our, our our image, our our standards. Right. Our, you know. Um, and then by about that time, that's when all those horrendous documents are going to come out of everything that went down in Guantanamo. It's just right. going to be that. Second jab to the eye. Yep. Yep. So uh, that's habeas corpus, ladies and gentlemen. Look for Guantanamo Bay to go the way of disco, uh, hopefully in the next <laughs> several months. And uh, you know what time it is now, don't you, Chuck? I think so. I think it's reader mail time. Listener mail. Uh, so I've got a little uh, Thanksgiving episode love from some folks. Sweet. And if you recall, during the Thanksgiving episode, I made I put the call out to the Stuff You Should Know Nation that uh, if anyone out there is not a vegetarian and they forego the turkey for, let's say, steak, then I would love to hear from them. Let's, let's play that clip, shall we? Yeah. Uh, 90% of Americans now eat turkey on Thanksgiving. 
And I would imagine the 10% who don't, a lot of those are probably vegetarian. I can't imagine you would choose another meat if you're not a vegetarian other than turkey. Yeah. Yeah, so, you'd have to be some sort of communist. Yeah, if we have listeners out there who do, who are not vegetarian and who opt for steak on Thanksgiving, I'd love to hear from you. Okay, so yeah, you you said it, Chuck. So there we have it. So we actually heard from a few folks. Uh, we heard from Chris Ent. Uh, that's E-N-T. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Chris. Um, he married a lovely lady from Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And he has a tradition that Josh and I, we want to be invited over next yes. year. Yes, Mr. Ent, we would uh, gladly accept any invitation you extend. Right, I would forego the turkey because what they do, uh, the wife doesn't like the uh, turkey flavor. Mrs. Ent. Mrs. Ent. Uh, so what he does is he buys an entire New York strip, which is about 10 pounds of beef, and he cuts it up into humongous uh, inch and a quarter steaks. Nice. And then on Thanksgiving, he cooks them up on the grill with uh, pear wood and actual wood charcoal and he smokes a salmon. I think pear wood is an actual wood. Uh, well, he says pear wood and actual wood charcoal. I'm okay. just reading. Yeah. Uh, and he smokes a wild salmon in the smoke. So they have uh, nice. smoked salmon and uh, wood fire grilled steaks and that's what they have for their leftovers. That so. is fantastic. Sounds Again, great. Mr. Ent, you know, uh, we will be giving you, uh, well, actually, you already know our email. It's a stuff podcast at uh, HowStuffWorks.com, so just send us those invitations along. Right. I've got a couple of more, too. Give, uh, them, give them to us. Quickly, Chris Corvey responded that his family eats uh, chicken, a capon specifically, which I looked it up. It's a uh, large castrated rooster. Yeah. He says, I think it's a big chicken. I noticed that. It's a and huge I was like, chicken. Yeah. I hate, hate to tell you, but that's just a, So it's uh, sort of like a chicken. I mean, it's like a turkey. It's as big as a turkey. It's a turkey with a falsetto voice. Right. Uh, and then we heard from uh, Travis Illig, who uh, is a, not a vegetarian and he hates turkey, uh, even though his whole family loves it. He doesn't like the flavor. And he said that makes Thanksgiving his least favorite holiday, which is very sad, uh, because he grew up eating potatoes and rolls uh, and having to answer questions about why he doesn't like turkey every year. So now he's done everything from uh, bringing his own Chinese food, pizza, and lobster. <laughs> I would go for the lobster. Yeah, yeah. and uh, dining with the family, or uh, he said the last few years they've gone to a Thanksgiving buffet, so they can have their turkey, he can have his uh, spaghetti, whatever he wants. What, what's that last guy's name? Travis Illig. I think Travis uh, has the saddest story out of the three. It is. And I think just for that, he deserves a How Stuff Works t-shirt. Travis, if you want to send us your name and address to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com, we will gladly pass that along to you, and you can wear it happily while you sadly eat your spaghetti on Thanksgiving. Anybody else who wants to drop us a line, uh, let us know something we screwed up in this podcast, which I'm quite sure we did. Uh, again, it's Stuff Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?